Prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Before we get started, I have to thank our title sponsor, Legendary Foods, makers of the sweet rolls. If you haven't tried these, you're missing out. You know, when you walk through the airport and you see that Cinnabon and you smell it, it's so good, but you know you can't eat it because it's pure crap. Well, Legendary took the Cinnabon and made it healthy. Uh, One gram of sugar, uh, 20 grams of high-quality dairy protein, five net carbs that come in cinnamon, but also chocolate and wild berry. Pop them in the microwave for like 10 seconds you will swear you're eating a Cinnabon. It's fantastic, and there's no guilt. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary. Use the code SHR10. If you have children in the house, order twice as much. Send them to school with them. All their friends will be jealous. They'll think they're eating crap, but they're really not. Uh, And they'll be hard to keep in the house, I promise. So check them out. Show them some love. We have a really, really good show planned for you today. With a guy who's probably touched a lot of people's lives without realizing it, uh, and whether they're competitors or uh, just uh, fitness enthusiasts over his career. How you doing, Skip? I'm doing well. I got a little nervous there when you opened the show with Skip has touched a lot of people. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> where are we yeah. going? What have I got myself into here? In, the, in this day and age, that is, uh, you have to be cautious <laughs> with something like that, right? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what have I? Oh, lives. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Touched a few lives. Yes. No, but you have. You know, like, I didn't realize it. So, I mean, you've done a lot of writing, and we're going to talk about where you got started. I want to I want to know more about your journey and how you found the love of physical culture. But, you know, for years, I bought from True Protein, now True Nutrition, uh, the Team Skip blend because I thought it was brilliant. Uh-huh. You know, dairy protein, egg protein. And then one day I was talking to Dante, and I said – who is that? He said, Skip Hill. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know who it was. And for years I was right. using this protein. And so, you know, uh, it's clear uh, that you like to uh, poke fun at yourself, but you're very cerebral about this process. Uh, where did your journey start? How did you find physical culture? Oh, I found it like most do. I was 14 years old, insecure teenager, and figured if I get a little muscle and I'm not so skinny fat, Maybe I'll get a hotter girlfriend. And really, I'd like to have a better story, but that's just the reality of it. I'd like to think that over the years, though, it has turned into or evolved into a much more personal endeavor. And I say personal, how personal can it be when I have to put everything out there anyway with what I do and write about it and talk about it and things like that. But it's still very personal, and I it has less to do with pulling fine or hot ass these days because i have been happily married for 25 years to a very cool woman uh and we've managed four kids along the way as well too wow 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 so um we i think a lot of us got started because we had some sense of inadequacy within ourselves i I remember uh, in 2006 one of the first interviews i did was with porter cottrell because he lives here in louisville and you know i said you know how did you find this and he said, I was a little flat-footed kid that got poked fun at. And, you know, right. and, then I, and then he saw uh, Steve Reeves, I guess, in, in Hercules and thought, I want to look like that. Right. So, so all, all of us do have that uh, deep down inside of us. Would you agree that most of the people that find their way into physical culture find it because they, for the same reason some people buy pit bulls, because they want to be respected to a greater degree? 
Sure. I think there's, I think there's no denying that. I think though that our, our group, our subculture kind of gets a bad rap. Sometimes we're so insecure and we have such great physiques, but we're so insecure. I think society in general is pretty insecure. I think though that sometimes the mainstream public, they're probably a little bit more comfortable in their thicker skin than we are in our thinner skin. Uh, I, I, I do. I think everybody gravitates to it for that reason. We just want to be better. We want to look better. And then I know as I've gotten older, it's important to me. And I started off to kind of maybe look a little older or, you know, have a physique that looked a little. Now it's the opposite. Yeah. I turned 49 this last weekend. Now I want, I'm hanging on to my youth. I'm fighting this aging process. And it's important to me that my wife does the same thing as well. So you know, it's the same battle. It's kind of coming from a different perspective, though, as I've aged. I, I think the mainstream, uh, you know, Arnold used to call them regular people. I, I think, and so we'll use that for now. I think regular people accept, they're more willing to accept uh, the fact that they don't look great or they don't feel great. Uh, and I think that one of the core qualities that I find in people who have gravitated to physical culture as a lifestyle is they're not as willing to accept things that they feel that they have power to control, which is really a, a wonderful attribute that most uh, bodybuilders uh, or powerlifters to some degree don't really get credit for. Um, so, so when did you, so you started out at a very young age. When did you actually step on stage for the first time? I stepped on stage for the first time when I was 20. So that was 19. 19- 90. So it's been a little while. I was, I was, I was natural, which is not to imply that I'm not now, mm. but I was natural then. So I just want to be clear on that. Mm. Uh, stepped on stage the first time at roughly 153 pounds at five, eight and a half. Looked very pretty. Mm. Hey, if there was men's physique, I'd have been all over Back that division. Then, yeah, that's <laughs> sure. I had the small waist, didn't train abs cause I didn't want them to get big, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Enjoyed it. It wasn't as complicated then because I didn't know then what I know now. So it was easy to go into the gym, tear up a workout, you know, eat what I thought was correctly. And I felt pretty good about the process. Uh, And then it just, you know, you get in, you start to OCD, get obsessive with it uh, to a certain degree. And then it becomes, I don't know, sometimes I think if you do something long enough, you really have to fight to keep it in perspective and, and, and remind yourself that I do this because I enjoy it, not out of obligation. Because after the years go by, it's hard. It, it's a fight. It's a challenge to not feel that obligation or that sense of that it's almost a job to right. a certain degree. Right. Um, who were some of the uh, people that influenced you early on? Oh, I love that you said Porter Cottrell. He, uh, he held, he did not want to, <laughs> but he held my two-month-old uh, oldest daughter when he was um, he was guest posing at a show in Michigan. I'm originally from Michigan, from Battle Creek, Michigan. Mm. And uh, my wife is from Southwest Michigan as well. So we were at a show and, and he um, he was a good sport. So I, <laughs> I have that picture. Ron Love. I mean, you know, I'm old school. So, you know, a lot of these guys, I thought Rich Gaspari was a god. Um, in fact, I was very disappointed because I was a teenager and we got all of our information from the muscle rags, of course. There was no online or, or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I called him Rich Gaspari. And when I found out his name was Gaspari, I was about as bothered as when I 
heard someone reference the word hypertrophy. I'm like, no. Hypertrophy. That's, that's hypertrophy. That's what, what I always said, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So, yes, it's definitely an old school influence. Uh, I like that in gyms, the atmosphere that I train in. You know, I want a garage style gym. I just went to Miami Iron uh, Gym last week and I fell in love with the place. So, um, that's just my. That's my thing. I, I'm an old guy, and I like it old school. Uh, those are my influences. I mean, I could rattle off, probably rattle off a lot of guys or a lot of influences that you would know, but maybe the listeners yeah, <laughs> don't have any idea. And it sucks because when you have to start explaining who you're referencing, it's kind of you. Could, sure. You just go, ah, never mind. Right, exactly. If you the weren't item. there, if you didn't know who it was, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so it's interesting that you said that the journey has changed for you because now it's about doing things that keep you, you know, like uh, lifespan and health span all of a sudden become very important at a certain point. Sure. And so how do you see your training and, and your diet? How has it changed from when you, all you cared was acquiring more muscle to, but now I want to live a long and healthy life as well. Right. Longevity. Uh, I think it's something that doesn't occur to almost anybody, you know, in the in the younger years. And I know it didn't myself. And I had a couple, I guess, scares or a couple things that kind of woke me up. The first thing was I got shingles real bad in 2004 to the point where I have um, post-herpatic neuralgia, PHN, which is, for those who don't know, you have shingles long enough, you didn't get it treated quick enough, and it actually caused... Um, irreparable damage to the nerve branch. So every 20 to 30 seconds of my life since 2004, I get kind of a quick little jolt. Zap. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I'm stressed, it's worse. If I'm tired, it's worse. If I get out of a hot shower and it's cold, like here in Florida where everything is freezing cold because they run the air conditioning too high or I'm in Colorado and it's freezing and I, I, you know, it goes from cold to hot, same thing. But uh, I think that was my first sign that you're just not doing things. Right? You're not supposed to get shingles to the point where you have this nerve damage at 30, what was I, 34 years old. So that woke me up. I have had a um, long history of L4, L5 uh, herniations that without too much, you can relate exactly, without giving away too much information, shitting in the shower standing up is just the worst, most most pride zapping um it it just it 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 just takes you down to nothing it's really very humbling and i haven't had any injuries from my lower back in about three and a half years did you you, okay i have so many questions and what i don't want to do (laughs) is have a replay of the arnold podcast where i steal all your time but i have to ask you these questions so uh you know just I, I, I shit standing up too, but it comes out of my mouth. It's called uh, <laughs> verbal diarrhea. But anyway, Fair so enough. so um, the first thing I want to ask you is a, more of a suggestion also. But you need to look into a peptide called uh, thymosin alpha-1. And okay. you should keep uh, a three-milligram vial in your freezer at all times. Because if you ever do encounter an outbreak of the shingles, it will make it go away in like a day. I did get it back last year briefly and got there quick enough because I had dealt with it before I knew. But, yeah, definitely. I I will note that. Uh, The the L4, L5 stuff, it looks like all of us older guys, uh, I have it. 
Um, I I haven't been able to use my inversion table since my foot surgery, but and my and it's gotten worse. I can feel the pain in my glutes now all of a sudden. But yeah. have you have you tried the uh, inversion table? Do you use an inversion table to keep that uh, decompressed a little bit? I did have one in Colorado, and I did like it. It it helped, but the number one thing that helped me, I thought it was chiropractic adjustments for a long time. That that originally helped, but over the long term or over the long haul, the number one thing that helped to the point where I haven't been to the chiropractor in a little over a year because I've been in Florida, it's the stretching. Yeah. And and it, it sounds so simple and it sounds so, yeah, okay, whatever. But the here's – and this is why. The chiropractic adjustments realign your spine and everything's good for about two minutes. And then the imbalance of the muscles start to pull against that alignment. So it's kind of like kind of Band-Aid therapy in a sense. So when you stretch and you're able to get to where you don't have those imbalances where they're, you know, left is pulling you out of alignment or your right side is pulling you out of alignment, then you're able to stay aligned. And you don't. And I mean, I have not had knock on wood. I've not only not had any issues for three and a half years. But I've been able to train heavy because I couldn't even train my legs heavy because of the intrathecal pressure. It was too much. The abdominal pressure inside from just doing a leg press was too much. My legs can handle a lot of weight, but my my core or my lower back can't handle that pressure. And now I'm to the point where I can actually I can handle that pressure. And, and it's funny because if you've had horrible back pain or horrible back problems, which problems equal pain. I mean, that's what we remember is the pain. Even when your back is strong again, you don't have the confidence right. to, to push forward because you're like, that, that shit hurt, man. Yeah, and I don't want to go there the again. Yeah. yeah, this could be the rep. This could be the set. Oh, I didn't stretch today. Maybe it's not a good You, It's just this constant negative feedback, and it takes a long, long time to overcome that. I have L4, L5 compression, and uh, and they're close to fusing if I don't do something about con- con- continually Uh-oh. stay after them. I find walking. So I had um, I had to the first sign of a uh, the compression manifested in a, a sciatic nerve problem at mm-hmm. around 2009. No, 2008, and uh, I actually had drop foot. My right foot didn't want to like work properly. Uh, at that time, I was going through a divorce, and the judge took my car away to give to my ex-wife. So it forced me to walk to and from the gym every day. I was living in Phoenix at the time. And Ooh. walking cured it. It was amazing, like to this day. And I, I, that's why I can't wait to get this stupid boot off my left foot so I can start walking again. Um, how much of it is uh, sitting? How much do you think contributes? You know, Like I sit at this friggin' desk. I hate it. I'd rather be a yeah. landscaper and be mowing people's lawns, to be honest with you. But how much you know, do you think that? I say that too, but if we were landscapers, we'd be bitching, hoping that we were sitting down behind a computer and having fun talking on a podcast. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it is. Uh, the sitting is, it's huge. And in fact, it's it's funny because careful what you wish for. I think I now have bad, I didn't have bad eyes until about two years ago. Um, I didn't have chronic back pain until I started sitting down as well. I think that that plays a huge part, but I will say that I think the most important or the, or the main reason is even when you train correctly, and I said, I've said this for years and years and years. So the people who I've trained and, and followed me will know this. 
repetition in and of itself is degenerative, even when it's done correctly. So if you squat, you know, 100,000 reps, even if you do them perfectly over time, your knees and your back, they're going to degenerate over, they're just going to. So I think that, you know, correct biomechanics and, and warming up correctly and everything that can prolong, you know, or, or drag out the good time in the gym without pain. But eventually I think it just, it kind of catches up with you. Yeah. I have it now, but I don't have that pain in my lower back, but if I'm not careful and I don't stretch, I'll have it in, in as little as two weeks. I saw a really funny mem the other day and I, I, I had, a, I laughed out loud. It said, my fondest childhood memory is not having back pain. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. every time I think of it, it's funny. It's like, yeah, I get it now, you know? And if you haven't had it, it really is difficult to explain. I'll give my wife a hard time sometimes. I'm like, you know, I know you've had four children and it's so painful, but have you ever had back pain before? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't know how it how it relates, but I know how horrible it is. And I remember lying in bed the last time and, you know, you almost it, it sounds horrible, but I'm just trying to put it in, in perspective and give people an understanding. You almost lie there and you go, I just don't care if I have to shit and piss. I'm just going to do it right here. Like, I just don't care. Right. It's bad. Last time I see my last episode, I was stuck on the toilet for three and a half hours. I had made the mistake of leaning back to give my back a rest against the back. And as soon as I would start to sit up, it's my like, back would It's spasm. like those vertebrae just go click. <laughs> and oh, that's it. And it just, it was, and I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I haven't cleaned up yet. So if I just go to the floor, not only is this going to hurt real bad, but it's going to be a disaster. And I'm thinking to myself for that three, I'm like, I just need to get to the floor. I don't care how painful it is. The only reason that I was able to get out of there was I had my wife give me three Percocets and I had to wait until that kind of, exactly. Once it kicked in, I was able to slowly take care of my business and get to my bed. And I told my wife, um, I'm not eating and I'm not drinking until I can get out of this bed because if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm not getting up. Yeah, it's it's terrible. You know, I'm lucky that it's not as bad as it could be and as it once was. But I, I, the, I do – when my foot heals, I do want to be able to squat and deadlift again. Do you still squat and deadlift or you just stay away from those now? I'll be honest with you. The cost to benefit to me these days, it's just, it's just not worth it. I would like to. I, I, love, I love exhaustive training versus yes. like burning. Like you can take biceps and I could never train them again and be really happy because you know what? It freaking hurts. I don't like it. I want to do exhaustive things. I want to squat until I feel like I'm just going to pass out. I want to pull deads. I want to do bent rows. But I don't think that the gamble is worth it. And part of the reason is because, too, is I do fall into that category where, and I've written about it for uh, Elite FTS, which, of course, as you can imagine, doesn't go over well when it's a group of, you know, power lifters. But, um or a large community of powerlifters. But I've said, I don't know, and I'm not convinced in my 35 years of being in this the sport of bodybuilding that pulling deads and squatting is as king for back development and leg development as everybody thinks it is. I know there are people cringing going, oh, my God, I like this guy for the last 20 minutes, but I don't know about <laughs> this. I'm not saying they don't grow muscle tissue, not at all. But what I am saying is the people who – 
religiously get locked into this, I must pull deads for big back, end up with, in my opinion, not a very fully developed back from a bodybuilding standpoint. Big, thick, erectors, sure. Big legs, big glutes, big hips from squatting, strong, absolutely. But I know too many people who can out-squat me who are 160, 170 pounds, and, you know, there are a lot of very good bodybuilders who don't squat. Now, I may squat in a Smith machine because of my back and things like that, right. but it's not it's not common. I don't want to gamble. The cost to benefit, it's just not worth it to me anymore. Darcy Clark asks a question. If, uh, if either of us have tried E-L-D-O-A, Eldoa, I don't even know what it is. Is that, is that like a barbiturate or something? A fetal barbitol or something? We're going to have to get, yeah, you're going to have to clarify. Get Darcy, if you can clarify what Eldoa is, uh, we will, we will definitely do the best to answer that question. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what Eldoa is. Um, uh, I want to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, there's so many different questions that are running through my head right now. Uh, and if you have questions, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, please post them because we'll work them into the discussion. You're listening to Superhuman Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There are lots of concerns about food supply today. That's why you need White Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures will deliver food right to your doorstep. You don't even have to go out and be disappointed by shopping in grocery stores. The finest beef, pork, lamb, duck, and more can be found at White Oak Pastures. And now they even have seafood. And best of all, White Oak Pastures has a negative carbon footprint, which means that you don't have to feel guilty for eating your ribeye. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash white oak and use the code superhuman to save 15% off. Millions of people know that shrewd food is the smartest way to snack. Ever get that craving for crunchy snacks, but don't want to eat all those empty carbs? Well, instead of puffed corn or wheat, like most snacks, shrewd food puffs protein powder. This gives these crazy efficient macros, two grams of carbs, 14 grams of protein. That's as high as 67% protein and with only 90 calories. So knock out the carbs, but keep the amazing flavor and crunch you're looking for. Shrewd food is now available at Walmart and Sprouts. Or go to shrnetwork.biz slash shrewd food and use the code SHR25 for 25% off your order. I would easily say that I am the hugest proponent you will ever meet to doing anything that will improve the quality of my sleep. And that's because sleep is linked to just about every metabolic disorder we see in our population today. One of the easiest things you can do to improve the quality of your sleep is to get a pillow that can be shaped into the exact form factor that allows you to get your best night's sleep. And that is my pillow. I've been sleeping with my pillow for a few years now. Now, and I can tell you that when I have to travel and stay in hotels, I don't get a good night's sleep because I don't have my pillow with me. Right now, you can save up to 60% off of everything offered to improve the quality of your sleep at shrnetwork.biz slash mypillow when you use the code SHR. Or you can call toll-free 800-889-4938. And remember to use code SHR to save up to 60% off of everything at their website. Great sleep upgrades you on virtually every level. Body fat, muscle mass, mood, brain function, and countless other ways. But taking melatonin alone isn't the answer. Thanks to a brand new sleep formula developed by my friends at Bioptimizers, you can experience the best night's sleep ever. Sleep Breakthrough is a delicious sleep drink that supports your natural melatonin production and relaxation without creating a dependency so you can have the best night's sleep on demand. It targets five different sleep pathways to give you the best sleep ever. And best of all, you'll wake up feeling 
feeling rested and rejuvenated so that you can have the best day possible. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to sleepbreakthrough.com slash SHR and use the code SHR10 for 10% off. Plus, you can unlock special gifts with the value of at least $20. This is a limited time offer, so go to sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash SHR right now. Merrick Health is a premium telehealth platform that connects customers with partnered providers from the comfort of your home. Merrick provides concierge service with your very own patient care provider as your health advocate. You'll go over all your needs and goals from improving sexual function, hair loss prevention, increased muscle, fat loss, and overall improved performance. Prescribed treatment options can be ordered and shipped directly to you if you meet the requirements. All from the comfort of your home. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash Merrick Health. That's M-A-R-E-K-H-E-A-L and order your comprehensives and get 10% off with code SHR. Don't forget to add the lab analysis to have results reviewed with potential over-the-counter supplements or treatment recommendations. That's shrnetwork.biz slash health and use code SHR at checkout. Or order your own desired labs with code SHR and get 10% off your first lab order. This is the Superhuman Channel, where brawn and brains finally meet. Darcy Clark said, Eldoa was developed by a French surgeon named Guy Voyer. Voyer. Eldoa is an acronym for French. When you translate it to English, it means longitudinal stretching with osteoarticulated cooperation. I got to believe that means hanging with a weight at the bottom of your body, pulling you apart. What do you think? What is, what is that? I think those words are those are Scott Stevenson words, Carl Lenore words. They are not Skip Hill words. So I, I have no I, I have no idea. Now, if he's talking about hanging, are you talking about inversion? You think that's what he's referring to? I, I, I got to believe it sounds like when you talk about longitudinal stretching means stretching the long way. Osteoarticulated cooperation means that the the, the hanging and then the bones are probably tried. To, they're trying to like manipulate them. And get them back into a certain position, but see, I, I'm a, I'm a, I believe what you said. This as you have, um, I have a friend who's a, a very, very successful chiropractor. He's got a huge practice, and so he said to me, "Carl, come, come on, let me, let me, let me run you through the gamut." I said, "Okay." So he takes a picture of me. He goes, "Oh, you got side to side scoliosis." And so I said, okay, he shows me the picture. He says, see how your spine goes this way here and that way there? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know, that, that really can't be corrected. I said, BS. He goes, no, most people can't. I said, no. I said, if you pull a spine out of a, a person, a dead body, and hang, hold it from the top, does it have that curve in it anymore? No. I said, because the muscle imbalances are causing the curve. So if you have somebody whose thoracic spine curves to the right, you need to do things to make the muscles on the left side pull harder. So when you said that before, I thought to myself, you know, I, other than degeneration uh, of the discs themselves, and even that has reasons that we could talk about, because you and I have a, an interesting path that crosses when it comes to iron. I know about your uh, uh, position, and I agree with you about melanotin too. We'll talk about that in a minute. So... If you if you look at the spine and you say, oh, you know, you have pelvic tilt, well, look at the muscles that are pulling it in that direction and look at the muscles that are antagonist to that and work on those and get that sucker back. All right. spinal conditions could be corrected by looking at the muscles that are pulling the spine out of alignment. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I want to be careful with that statement, though, and say that that anything that is, I don't want to say injury related, but I don't know about medical related things like like hereditary issues and things like that. That I don't know. That's well beyond my scope. But when it comes to just training related issues, uh, you know, and you're, we're going to develop those imbalances over time anyway, especially without stretching. And I, good luck getting someone to stretch before they have any issues. <laughs> there isn't yes. much proactive stretching going on out there. And I know some people will say, but I do. You're the exception, the huge exception to the rule if you do that. Most of us are looking at it almost worse than cardio. Like, I don't need that. I'm good. Uh, I have, you know, I'm on a time crunch. I know I've said myself many times, like, gosh, I don't have the time today. To, and, and then I just think about that shower shedding or sitting on the toilet and, or not being able to get out of bed. And I'm like, I just don't have a choice. I have to do this. Because even when I started, the stretching started to help. There were times where I would back off of it and damn it if I didn't injure myself again. So mm-hmm. the only thing, the only thing that has kept me injury free that has been consistent is as long as I stretch, I have not injured myself. It's just that matter of fact. Yeah, no, and and uh, who's the guy that the quarterback for the Patriots is the oldest quarterback playing right now? So I'm not a sports guy, so I, um, yeah, uh, Brady. Yeah, so all he does is stretch. He doesn't lift. He doesn't do anything else. All he does is stretch, and he's a firm well, he looks in- like he stretches. He doesn't look like he lifts. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm but, a New England fan is going, hey, hey, easy now, but, but that's the truth. But it's true. He guy. says he says I don't want to injure myself. I want to stay injury free. So all I do is stretch. What about yoga? You think? Uh, more physical culturists would benefit from doing yoga since that's more of a stretching type of a thing? I do, and I have been recommended to do it. And the only thing that I have to respond to that is because I haven't done it is it's yoga. I don't know how else to put it. And I know this sounds really like I have this bad case of toxic masculinity, and maybe I do, but man, I started training in the 80s. I'm almost 50 years old. I'm I'm not going to do yoga. I'm just not going to. If I had to, I would. So let's just say like my stretching didn't work or or something. Maybe I would try it because I would be desperate for something to work. So could it work? It absolutely could. But I think where I am now is I, I don't have any interest in in doing that because it's just not. It's not toxically masculine enough, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I also so I think part of the problem is that I attribute like resistance training to pro- progress, whether I'm lifting more for more reps or my body is changing the way it looks. And I don't attribute yoga to anything because right. I don't think you outwardly see anything from yoga, but maybe I'm wrong. And I, I'm with you on that one. Like I think, well, you know, I, I don't know. If, maybe I'll just go in and train chess today instead of doing the yoga class I was going to do. Yeah. I think some people will argue that, you know, it's exhausting and it's a good workout. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to argue because I've never done it and I don't know. But it's not going to build muscle tissue like grabbing a pair of, you know, 140s and pressing them. It's just not going to do that. No argument. And I don't think anybody would argue that. But it has to be put in the category, as far as I'm concerned, in relation to bodybuilding as just preventative. Now, that's not a bad thing. You know, the other thing, too, is, is when you're young and you don't have all these these joint issues and, and everything doesn't hurt, it's difficult to find motivation to stretch and just because you don't have any issues. It's also, though, difficult because 
I don't think a lot of 25-year-olds think to themselves, I'm going to be doing this when I'm 50 and I don't want everything to hurt. You have no reason to think it will hurt because I have good form. I always warm up. I've had no issues. I thought all these same things, but I'm telling you, if you're going to be around for the long haul, there's a lot of young kids, and you know this, Carl, who'll be like, I don't know, this skip guy or this car guy, they're so old. Like, what am I going to learn from these old guys? Right. You're not going to learn anything if you're not going to be around long enough. If you're doing this in college and you get married and all of a sudden you get fat like the rest of society, don't listen to a fucking word I say because it probably won't fall in line with your goals or or your situation. But if you're going to be around for a while, you're a fool not to listen, not necessarily to me, but to someone who has the experience and the years behind them because we're already there. We already know what we're, and we did, I don't want to say we did everything right, but relatively speaking, I've done everything right. <laughs> You've done everything right. It's that sort of thing we've been through. We know what works. We know what doesn't work, not just with us, but I've trained thousands and thousands of people from regular people to NFL players to professional bodybuilders. I've seen it all. So decide if you want to listen. And if you don't, well, good luck to you. And so, and that, and that segues to the next question because I know that you're a very successful coach. Um, you are both uh, a, a successful coach from the standpoint of teaching people to train, but also getting people prepared to compete, which is a unique type of coach because you have to have a, an intimate understanding of physiology and nutrition at the same time. Um, if you had, if you were forced to write an article about the top three things that everybody gets wrong, whether they're weekend warriors to serious athletes, what do you think those would be? Get wrong from a competitive standpoint or just in general? No, no, in general, because we're talking about regular people, but there's gotta, there's gotta be an overlap with regular people. And, and it, it could be about nutrition. It could be about training, but maybe these are things that you've seen over and over again, where you just feel like I should just have a t-shirt made that says that so I can stop saying it. Um, well, I, let's see, this will be off the top of my head. Of course, I've had no, had no prep for this one, Carl, but <laughs> had no prep but for the whole, I don't give anybody any prep. <laughs> I know, hey, no, no, no. I, and, and I think this will cover it quite well. Um, what I'll do is I'll take, uh, I'll just take one thing from the top three. Like I'll take one thing from training, one thing from yeah. nutrition and cool. supplementation. Cool. Um, starting with supplementation. Number one, people think it's, this is kind of a, um, two pronged answer, I guess, or response. People give supplements, and I say supplements, OTC supplements, way too much, way too much credit. Um, I get, and I always say this: I get, you know, I'm sponsored. I get anything I want and everything I want for free. I make no bones about it. I tell people, I tell my clients, if I get everything for free and I only use three things, what does that tell you? Yeah. I'm not saying the rest of it is junk. What I'm saying though is. For me, at my level, it's it's not necessary. And I'm back. I'm, I'm My foot is on the gas. I am making progress that I haven't made in 12, 10, 12 years. Uh, very healthy. My blood's in order. Everything's great. I'm injury-free. So that's the first thing with the OTC. The other thing, that because it's two-pronged, is people give uh, – they very, very quickly want to jump to the dark side. And um, that's disappointing. At the same time, I have no regrets, and I don't knock anybody for making that decision. But it would you'd be better served to milk your natural potential as long as you can, or at least long enough to where, you know, you put in six months or a year before you jump to it. Because then all of a sudden, when you do that, uh, your progress in your physique then is carried, in my opinion, uh, by those 
compounds. And as soon as you're not doing those, you don't have much left. Uh, from a training standpoint, um, and this does, not only goes for training, but it goes for everything in general. It's, it's too many people overthink their training and they think that there has to be this um, secret either training protocol or exercise or everything else. The people who make some of the best gains are the people who go in and just pound shit. They pick up heavy shit and they put it down. Um, too many, you know, kids, we've all seen this, too many kids going in doing, you know, cable double front bicep curls on the lap machine. You're not big enough to do that. I, I know that sounds shitty, but you're just not. You need to pick up a barbell and curl it. You need to not load the hammer press up and instead pick up heavy dumbbells and press them. You need to make sure it's not necessarily old school, but you need to respect the basics. And I think a lot of people are just complicating things uh, far more than they need to be. From a nutrition standpoint, um, you know, everybody's or the large majority of people are scared to death of carbohydrates. <laughs> um, so from a nutrition standpoint, that's the thing that stands out the most there. Carbohydrates are, you know, playing a significant and important role. And I love to see, Chris Aceto being so successful again after, and I don't want to say again, because he's always been successful, right. but to be training these people at a high level and feeding them, you know, much the way I do from a skip load, shit load standpoint. And it's funny because people were complaining and people may not even understand that reference if they don't understand Chris Aceto or, or bodybuilding preparation at that high level. But the last couple of years have been funny in, in bodybuilding competition because people want to go back to the antiquated, torture the hell out of me, uh, high cardio, low. If Starve I'm not me. feeling yeah. like death, yeah. right. if I don't feel like death, this isn't worth it. So I was starting to catch some flack for skip loading because this is, you know, there's, they say, well, some people will say, well, you're just making it easy. for That's not it at all. And so to see Chris Aceto come along and be peaking people much the way I have for years, and he's done it for years too, and no way am I implying that. Chris Aceto read what Skip Hill does and Chris Aceto is doing what Skip does. That's not it at all. But when you find out that you're doing these things or the things that you're doing that are outside of the box, other high level, very high level uh, prep guys and nutritionists are doing it. Um, it puts a smile on my face. I like that. So um, it's usually carbs. People tend to freak out when it comes to carbs or they're carb sensitive or, you know, don't get me going on, on, um, you know, whether it be gluten, everybody, everybody's has gluten issues these days. And yeah, and we don't even you know, know if it's really gluten. We don't, you know, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to tease out yeah. what's really toxic in our, our food. That's why you got to stick to the basics, just like the, the training. Yeah. So uh, David Whiteside Thompson asked the question that I want. You said, I have all the supplements I want. I only take three. You know, what three supplements do you recommend, especially as we age? So what, what do you think? The three things, and I don't even know if they're necessarily age related, to be honest with you. But they but work. The three things, they work. Yes. The three things that are pretty much like money in the bank that will work um, are, you know, I say protein powder. Team Skip Blend works really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do use that. But uh, I do believe that EAAs are are important and they work and they're so cheap. Yes. So you have cost to benefit here. It's like, even if you don't see the results in, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months, it's so cheap that you have to just trust it over time on paper. It works out so perfectly that this is a really good supplement to use. Uh, and the other thing is, and it, you know, people are like, oh, that was anticlimactic, but it, it, it's a whole food multivitamin from True Nutrition. So those are really the only three things. People say, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. What about a pre-workout? What about 
creatine. I tell my clients all the time, like, you want to take creatine, go ahead. But I'm not going to encourage you to do that because I just don't think that in the big picture it's worth the extra, you know, eight pounds of water you're going to hold and the potential 10 pounds you're going to put on your bench. Somebody will argue and say, well, 10 pounds on your bench, you know, over a year, that could be, yeah, it could be. It could be a gram and a half of muscle. I mean, are we trying to quantify what 10 pounds from holding more water is going to really do? I don't think it's going to do that much. I wouldn't sit back and argue and say that it's completely not effective. All I'm saying is I don't like to split hairs like this because a lot of the people I'm talking to are doing so many other things right that it just doesn't, in the big picture, it just doesn't matter for anything. Your money could be better spent on food uh, or your protein yes. powder. The most, ana- the most anabolic of everything is food. Right. And, and people like, and, you know, the young kids are like, oh, God, if another old guy says that, you know, food is as anabolic as drugs, I'm going to puke. I'm not making that connection. All I'm saying is it really is better to spend your money off because it just works that's what you every need to every hard gainer with. every hard gainer i've ever met when you start to ask about nutrition you realize two things either a they have no idea what they're eating or b <laughs> they're eating way less than they need to be and it's just yeah. and it's shocking it's like oh i'm a hard gainer so i need to get on juice right oh uh, well let's or their list of otc supplements is like a page and a half yeah, long yeah it's like it's a, it's not working, pal. All the shit you're spending, or all the money you're spending on this stuff, it isn't working. So, what do you think? Take just oh oh, it might be this next one. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just not logical to approach it from that perspective. Yeah, because it's so, so, it's so simple. Oh, it, that makes it so simple. But you know, mm-hmm. the other thing is that um, I see a lot of people who want to compete, or they want to have a physique that looks like they could compete. And they're spending hours in the gym. And when, when I talk to them and I ask them, well, you know, how much protein are you getting? They don't know. And I ask them how many meals they're eating. They don't, you know, oh, you know, I, I eat three meals a day. And I say, you know, uh, the heroic effort that you see professional athletes producing in the gym is important. But what you don't see is the rest of the day they eat every two to three hours. And they do that for days, weeks, months, and years. And, right. and that, unfortunately not sexy, uh, no secret chemicals, but that is the reason that they build the muscle that they build. I've seen it in myself. When I'm, when I'm eating on my game, my body starts changing very quickly, but then right. life gets in the way. It's like, well, I'm going to fast today because I, I really have all these things to do. And then all of a sudden yeah. I stall or I start to regress. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the culmination of decades of eating that make yeah. bodybuilders look the way they do. Yeah, I always tell the hard gainers, when you're not eating on a Saturday night because you don't want to have to have gas when you're trying to, you know, smash dimes or whatever it is you're doing on a Saturday night when you're 25 years old, people who want to get huge are eating. Yeah, I know, right? I just dated myself. You're so young. No, I'm I'm laughing because that's like such a youthful thing to say, smashing (laughs) dimes. That's good. Yeah, it it, it is. It's, It's it's this consistency that people don't understand. They're like, well, I do it Monday through Friday. And then you have beers with your buddy. And I'm not saying, you know, that you can't drink or what, but there's nothing helping when you drink alcohol, nothing in that alcohol is helping you to grow or get bigger. Right. So you can justify it and you can say it's calories. But people who want to get huge, they're eating and they're training and they're resting. They're not doing what you're doing on the way or what most people are doing on the weekends. The other thing is the training. I can't leave out. 
hard gainers typically want to train more, which is you you think okay that logically that makes, but it it's not. You need more rest. The fact that you didn't pick your parents very well is the first problem. Right. <laughs> I, tell, I always tell my mom, I'm like, I love you, mom, but your shoulder, the shoulders you gave me just <laughs> suck. Like, what the hell was I thinking when I went through the parent store? Oh my God. <laughs> You're funny. Hard, hard gainers just tend to train. They, and it's a bodybuilding mentality. I get it. Well, I don't know if this is enough protein, so I'm going to eat more. I don't know if this is enough training, so I'm going to train more. We tend to err on the side of more is better. When in reality, if you're a hard gainer, you probably have a problem with recovery anyway. And especially if you're natural. I mean, I see natural guys come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm training six days a week. And I'm I'm training, you know, sometimes even double day. I'm like, how, how are you recovering right. from this? Like, right. this doesn't even make any, like, holy shit. And then all you do is you start to cut their training back and you don't even change anything else. And they just start recovering and growing, and they're if like, you oh keep, my God. "If you keep adding bricks and you don't let the cement harden, you you have a wall that's going to fall down." The other thing I exactly. wanted to say is, I am so happy you said EAAs and not BCAAs, yeah. because going back to the bricklayer analogy, uh, using BCAAs is like calling all your Italian buddies in to work, but not giving them any mortar and bricks. You you know, everybody shows up for work and they're like, how do we build a wall? You're you're stimulating, you're you're stimulating the work to be done, but you're not giving EAAs is what no one should be using BCAAs. I'm sorry. You're stopping short. You should be using essential amino acids because they not only stimulate, but they give the building blocks to do the job. Right. And I think, you know, I use BCAAs like a lot of people did early on because it was kind of, you know, so you learn forever. Yeah. Exactly. They're relatively inexpensive. But when study after study is showing the benefit, I'm looking at it going, well, <laughs> there's no real good reason to sit here and, and doubt this anymore. So I made that made that change, too. I want to I yep. want to take a, a next commercial break and it'll be our last one of the show. And when we come back, I want to talk about gearing responsibly since you said, like, give your body time. And then, but there's also another problem that that people use gear, and they think somehow it's going to protect them against stupid decisions and bad choices. And that, in my humble opinion, is a real threat to a lot of the younger guys out there. So let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Skip Hill, and uh, stay tuned. Dogs should be powered by fat and protein, not carbs. That's why Visionary Pet makes low-carb, ketogenic dog food for dogs of all breeds and life stages. From kibble to freeze-dried and even low-carb treats, all Visionary Pet recipes are very low-carb, ketogenic, and made with 100% real meat protein. Shop now and use code SHR for 20% off your first order today. Your dog deserves the lifelong benefits of optimal nutrition. Make the switch to Visionary and see why smart dogs eat low-carb. Never before has a product been so appropriately named as Botanic Tonics Feel Free. This plant-based elixir combines a variety of different effective compounds, all from raw plant materials that at different doses provide you with completely different experiences. A third of a bottle puts you in the zone and makes you very focused and is ideal for a non-stimulating pre-workout. It also has a mild analgesic effect for us older lifters who have soreness and little pains 
and aches that keep us from training as ferociously as we want. A half a bottle will create a mild euphoric effect that will allow you to forego consuming alcohol, but still be socially lubricated and have fun. I have never had a product deliver on its name the way Botanic Tonics Feel Free does, and I won't ever be without it, and you shouldn't either. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash feelfree and use the code SHR40 for 40% off your first order. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Remember those rectangular toaster pastries you used to love when you were a kid? Well, Legendary Foods has just made them better. The new cake-style tasty pastry is like nothing you've ever had before. With 20 grams of high-quality protein and less than one gram of sugar, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary and use the code SHR10 to save to save 10% off your purchase of tasty pastries. Now available in cookies and cream, red velvet cake, birthday cake, blueberry, strawberry, brown sugar cinnamon, and hot fudge sundae. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary and use code SHR10 today. Okay. So as we were going into the break, I alluded to what I wanted to talk about today. That there's a lot of people out there that go right to the gear, as you pointed out earlier, and they don't give their bodies a chance to even develop uh, a base of, of, uh, of muscle and strength. But they also think that uh, being on gear, and this is true of men on HRT, by the way, too, which I'm one. You know, we think that because we're taking testosterone, that somehow we can be reckless. We can drink more alcohol. We can sleep less. We can eat crappier food. And if anything, the the, the complete opposite is probably true. What do you think? You know, um, not only I want to point out one more thing Please. that you benefit from by not taking gear right away, too, and that is you develop a better core understanding of nutrition and training because you can get away. Like you said earlier, you can get away with so much more. Mm -hmm. You you can do things wrong really and still benefit. You can't do that without the gear. Now you can do things. You don't have to do things perfectly when you first start out because pretty much any stimulus will be enough of a stimulus for you to grow for some length of time. But even then, that'll come to a stop. So I just want to point that out. And I know you feel the same way. I just want to make sure that the that the listeners know that, too. But, yeah, when it comes to, you know, TRT or even being on gear, I mean, um, you know, you can certainly get away with a lot more. But you're just missing out. I guess this is how I look at it. You're missing out on such an excellent opportunity because the hormone environment, I guess, creates the environment for you to not just grow, but even just, it makes it a little bit easier even to get leaner because it changes your testosterone to estrogen ratios too. So I, you know, you can, and a lot of people do, they just waste it, whether it be TRT or anything else, but uh, it's just such a, uh, an opportune time to be able to take advantage of such a positive, especially if you're older and you've just gotten on TRT, maybe you're not even cycling, but you've gotten on TRT. And I think half of the problem is, is we feel great. We have this libido, we have this general, feeling of like, I just feel so much, right. you know, so much better. And that sometimes involves things that we've done for so long, or if people have done them for so long, and that means getting a couple more drinks or, you know, you're single and you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to build, you know, a relationship or something. I know myself with clients, it's difficult with my male clients when they come out of a divorce, because they're typically making these huge changes, especially if it's midlife, they're making these huge changes, they're dropping weight, they want to be in great shape, 
But the second they get any type of serious relationship, you know, they have all these excuses and they start adding up very, very quickly because they want to be out trying to, you know, um, build that relationship, so to speak. And that takes going out and eating and they think eating and drinking and, and things like that. So yeah, it, I, I completely agree with you, um, you know, when it comes to TRT. And cycling, I think, is the same. But I think when you get into cycling, I would like to think that people are more serious and more focused and dedicated when they're cycling. But not everybody is, especially when you start young. I mean, and, and I, I've had these discussions with people at my gym, and I, you know, they wanted to talk about gear. And I've said, you know, do, how many days a week do you train? Do you train every day you're supposed to, given, you know, taking the day off here and there because you feel like you need an extra day to recover? Do you get to sleep early? What time do you go to sleep? Like, are you doing all these other things right? Because if you're not, don't start juicing now. Because you, right. you, you, because you have a window of opportunity, whether it's a six week or six month cycle that you're going to run to, to squeeze everything out of it. And if you can't, Go into that already saying, I've been doing it this way for six months now without a hiccup. I'm, I'm able to leverage what I'm about to do. Then don't even bother. If you can't do right. all the other stuff that is required with consistency, then why would you add anything to, to the, the mix? Unless yeah. you think that it's going to cover up your lack of consistency and then it's not going to end well for you. It's just not. And I do think that's what a lot of people think. And you can tell who thinks that and who doesn't because the ones that actually stick around and stay involved for years and years and years, they knew better. The ones who don't basically will take their cycles, do their gear, and they'll get away with it for a little while. And when they no longer can, and the only other option then is making sure that they're in bed at a certain time so they have to sleep, making sure that they're eating when they're supposed to. They're not, they're not as interested in, in the, the game and the lifestyle anymore, and they move on. No, you're right. So uh, talk about your prep coach uh, service and also your, your distance coaching service. If, if people wanted to hire you to work with them, they don't have to be desiring to be competitive athletes. They can just be regular people who want to look good, right? Mo- most of them are us getting going through a divorce. We find ourselves at 50 and we're like, man, I, I got to look good if I'm going to play this game. They don't even want to step right. on a stage, but they want to look like they can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I started off. Um, in the online community message boards, basically the brutal message board era where you actually had to earn the respect of the community and things like that. And, um, you know, it was all about bodybuilding. It was bodybuilding prep. It was contest prep. And that's all it was. And I built my, my reputation, I guess, and my name in that, I guess, um, subculture or in that area. From there, though, I realized, and this isn't, I don't want this to sound like a shot to the bodybuilding world because I don't want to bite the hand that has fed me very well. Uh, and I still enjoy working with competitors, but I'm going to be brutally honest and tell you uh, the two main reasons that I did start to move away from it is competitors can be, um, how should I say, it's the narcissism and the they, they don't sometimes care that they're in the best shape of their life and better than they were before. If they take second, it's your fault and you're a fuck up and they're going to go, you know, they'll end up working with somebody else. And the other thing too is, is these, a lot of these competitors, 99% of competitors are also self-proclaimed prep guys, online prep guys. So 
yes, they want to work with you, but equally as important to them as they want to suck as much of your experience over, you know, I've got 35 years, someone else could have four and they want to learn as much as they can from me for no other reason than to go charge clients and work with them and pretend to be this experienced guru. You know, I saw, I say self-proclaimed because if someone calls me a guru, I don't know that I deserve that type of label, but I'm not going to argue with them because I didn't say I was a guru. They did. <laughs> so if you want to say I'm a guru, I'm like, if you have okay. To tell, if you have to tell people to call you, like I, right. I had a guy come on my show years ago and he told me that he would prefer that I call him the greatest formulator in the world. <laughs> I swear to God, this is true. And I did it, you know, because uh, I'm not about ambush radio. I want people to feel comfortable. I want, I want sure. people who come on the show to look good, not for me to look good. But I'm like, if you have to tell people, like, like that whole godfather of podcasting and stuff, like I never, I never said that ever, ever, ever in my life. And Scott McNally was the first person to say, you know, that I, that Carl Lenore is the, the, the godfather of podcasting, of fitness right. podcasting. And I don't even know if I feel comfortable with that, to be honest with you, because I think it relies more on the fact that I'm Italian and I grew up in a neighborhood where I may have known John Gotti, you know? Right. But I, I would admit it because that could be incriminating. But yeah, no, I was young. I was young. But he did. He, he roamed my neighborhood. I knew his son, John Jr., who I don't think is doing well nowadays. But anyway, um, but, you know, it, it's really funny. Uh, it, it's like if you have to tell somebody that you're a guru, chances are you're not a guru. Right. <laughs> you know exactly so that was that's you know part of the competition part the other part is um there's not a lot of there's more <clears throat> there's more money in mainstream there's more potential for clients and when you know i had noticed i'm like i built a pretty good reputation like people outside of bodybuilding who may not be competitors you know were approaching me left and right so when I got to this TRT issue where I had the blood issues in 2013 and I shifted gears, I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm starting to get older. These younger competitors may not relate to me as much. They're going to relate more, I think, to the Matt Porters and, and that type of So I thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to kind of shift my demographic a little bit, stay relevant. And, um, you know, my 40 and 50-year-old demographic who's on TRT – they're going to, you know, I guess, gravitate more towards working with me because I'm dealing with the same things. And that's exactly what happened. And let me tell you, uh, for anybody, and I, I would think that it would seem logical, but 40 and 50-year-old men have plenty of money, the large majority of them, plenty of money to spend because they're yes. established and they've got careers and they've got families and they've got 401ks and they want to spend money because that is important to them. They've gotten a little taste of the TRT and they're like, oh, hell yes. So now I got to get my nutrition, my training. Who am I going to call? I'm going to call this guy, Skip Hill, because he's dealing with the same thing. He puts a lot of information out there. He talks about it. I want to hire him. So, so wait a minute. That's I, when, when, did, when did you start? So I, I, when did you start TRT? I started TRT in 2013, but to be you know completely transparent, I am no longer TRT. <laughs> really? As of about a year ago. Here's the reason why. I started TRT in 2013. I was living in Colorado. I was living at roughly 9,000 feet. Mm. Um, and I knew that I had different parameters for RBCs, hematocrit, and hemoglobin. But I was still all of a sudden after years and years and years of being in range, even while I was on, I was at high normal range. I was never out of range. All of a sudden, my doctor called me. He said, hey, you know, I got your results back from the blood work because I did blood work religiously twice a year for 
forever. And he said, you know, it's, it's not your blood work. They made a mistake. I'll call you in a few days. I'll have the correct test. I'm like, okay. He called me back. He's like, hey, uh, these are your numbers. You got to come in. We got to talk about them. I'm like, well, what are, you, what are you talking about? So anyway, I go in and um, they're just horrible. They're just horrible numbers. And I can't tell you what they were because I don't remember because I've done so much blood work since then. But they were off the chart. If I had to guess as an example, they were probably my, my hematocrit might have been like 58 instead of the high end of 54. So, you know, people might freak out. They're like, oh, my God, mine's 50. Well, I lived at 9,000 feet, so I could actually probably go to 55 if I needed to. But it's 58, right. 59. It was pretty high. And you have to understand that it had never been high, ever, even when I was on competing for years. I mean, there were times where I stayed on for three and a half years, you know, because my blood work was great and I felt great. So anyway, I made this decision and it was an easy one for me. I said, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to gamble. I mean, I, you know, I'm in my forties. I'm in great shape. I, I, my wife's freaking awesome. My kids, I've got a great life here, you know, making a good living. Uh, I like to ride motorcycles and go to baseball games. I mean, I can stay in good shape running TRT. I can hold a lot of this muscle because I've already built it. And I'll just stay in great shape. And I did that for five years. Then I moved to Florida because, you know, old people move to where sunshine is, apparently, as much as we love Colorado. I'm hoping so, too. I'm hoping to do the same thing myself. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's it's awesome. And we love it. Um, But she had an opportunity down here and we we jumped on it. We're empty nesting, too. But anyway, I get down here and I just I'm in good shape and I'm running my TRT and I check my blood and my blood is like really like my numbers are low. I'm like, wow, this is kind of weird. So I talked to a couple of people. I said, Hey, you know, what if, you know, this is this elevation. Cause obviously the elevation would impact it. We, we know that, right. But it was really low, like not dangerously low, but really low. Like it made me think, Hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to play. I'm going to not say anything. I'm going to run a, a cycle here for eight, 10 weeks. And I ran a cycle and my numbers were great. So I extended the cycle. My numbers are freaking awesome. So I'm like, well, I am just going to go back on cycle. And I've been uh, not on, but I've been back cycling on and off for about a year. And my blood is like it was for all those years. It's it's within range. It might so run it was, the, high it, was, it was the high altitude that was actually affecting you more it, than it the definitely, it, it was, but what I couldn't understand was I had lived in Colorado for 21 years, but I, I had only lived at six or seven thousand so i think once it, i got up there to nine it you know it's not just that three thousand foot disparity there was just something there that just wasn't right, right and it was off so look i'm not gonna you know, i could sit here and try to analyze it but the truth is i'm happier than a pig in shit because i can go back to cycling and i'm enjoying my training now because i mean you have to understand that even if you're in great shape and you're doing the same shit you've always done in the same weights, it gets boring. You're just, it's not very motivating. So at 49, when I can go back and go and pound it like I was when I was in my late thirties and early forties and understand I don't have my back injuries right now, I'm able to pound some shit. I'm growing. This is awesome. Right, I'm in love right. with this shit again. Right. It's, right. it's a big high, you know, yeah. it's awesome. Now I will say just for the record, because someone might be thinking, well, if you have bad blood, even though you really like everything right now, are you going to gamble with it if your blood comes back bad? No. No, I'll, um, I'll go back to TRT. The only reason I'm cycling now is because I feel comfortable with the fact that my blood is is good. And I'm running, you know, I have my tan. I'm running Milan tan. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. So you and I are dark-skinned <laughs> to begin with, uh, it appears. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm German. <laughs> are you really? Okay. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Milano tan, too, for a variety of reasons. I started using Milano 10 2 
with regularity about a year ago. After, well, so three years ago, I wrote a blog about a study that showed that high doses of melanotin 2 literally obliterated arterial sclerotic plaque. It actually causes not only a reduction in the inflammation in the intima, but the body reabsorbs the plaque. I thought, wow, this is magic. And the same happens with sunshine. This is why people who go, oh, you know, vitamin D uh, keeps you from developing plaque because people who live by the equator, uh, they don't have heart disease. No, they don't have heart disease because the melanocortin system is being activated by sunlight. It's, they, could, they could pound all the vitamin D they want. That's not the answer. It's the melanocortin right. system. So, you know, sun is so important to us, and we have all these stupid uh, 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 dermatologists telling people oh, SPF and don't let your kids go. It's like, wait, we evolved for like millions of years. The sun influenced us. Now we're like, oh, sun is bad. Nonsense. But anyway, right. So I take 25 micrograms of melanotin two um, post workout with uh, five IU's of of oxytocin. I use a bunch of different peptides post workout, and I do that because melanocortin. There's four melanocortin receptors on every cell that completely suppress what is considered chronic inflammatory responses. So melanotin-2 is a very powerful small doses. You don't have to worry about even getting tanner. Now, I get tanned because I have so much melanin in my skin that just using 25 micrograms a few times a week makes me darker. But if a light-skinned person probably wouldn't see the tanning effect of it. But, but you discovered something that I discovered, too. And that is sunlight and melanotin too raise ferritin levels. Did you not yeah. discover that as well? Yeah, yeah. And and it was concerning because I had a friend in Colorado. This is kind of how it started. I had a friend in Colorado who hit me up and he said, "Hey, you know, I was at the doctor's. And I'm giving you the clip note version here quickly. Yeah. I went to the uh, the hospital, basically the ER, because I was." dizzy and stuff like that. And they did my numbers and he had like, I don't even know, a 60 or 62 hematocrit. It was just off the chart. Right. But again, this is in Denver, Colorado. So he said he was running down what he was on. He was only on TRT and, and that sort of thing. And, and I said, Oh, let me guess. They went for the TRT. He said, no, they went for the melanotan. And I laughed. I'm like, well, I don't know why they would make that connection. And he's like, well, you know, I, I stopped it because he said, this was like a week ago. I stopped it and it's only been a week. And my numbers have dropped almost four points. And I'm like, what? So I kind of just dismissed it and thought, you know, it's typical. You have to understand, bodybuilders, we don't think we're so fucking smart. We're smarter than any other doctor out there. And yeah. doctors are stupid and that sort of thing. So I try not to do that. But at the same time, it just didn't logically make any sense. And, hey, I know a lot about melanotan. I've been on it pretty much straight since '06. My wife has had melanoma um, and has had three surgeries. And I've had long discussions with um, what I consider to be quite, you know, top doctors, cancer, um, you know, surgeons, things like that, dermatologists in the Denver area about melanotan. And they completely agree with why I think that melanotan and Stan Efforting feels, um, I think he has a lot of the same theories as well, that it, it kind of helps to protect. It doesn't protect you completely, but it does help to protect people to some degree from... AS, AS, look, it was created... It, look, the reason Melanotan 1 and 2 exists is because Arizona State University created it as a way for fair-skinned people to bulletproof themselves against developing melanoma in right. sun. I mean, so it, it, we know that 
it actually has that hormetic effect. But a lot effect. of people don't know that. I think a lot of people think that they just came up with this drug because, you know, to make people tan, tan, and make us and horny. There are even people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are people that that are out there that even think too, and you can find websites if you Google it who say that the melanotan too actually causes skin cancer. And I tell you, there's just, the internet is a great place because it has a lot of really good information, but it's also a shitty place because then you get crap information that you have to sift through. And sometimes I feel really bad for people who don't know. They're not critical thinkers. They're not critical. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then you end up with people just not knowing basically what to believe. But um, the point is, is it came down to that melanotan, and that was the first. This is probably five. let me tell. But let me tell you. But let me tell you the real, the real story behind this that you can actually now. You and you may know this already. I'm assuming you don't, but I'm, but you probably do. So melanotan two raises ferritin levels. Okay, ferritin is a protein produced by the body to shuttle iron around you can raise ferritin levels without increasing iron intake if you take large doses of vitamin c it will raise ferritin levels and and doctors will think oh my god your ferritin level is so high and you can go oh, i'm vegan i don't understand well whatever you're doing it's a... so ferritin can be elevated independent of iron introduced into the diet and does not indicate absorption of iron at all so in order to truly this and see I, I started following iron overload last year because I, I believe that in guys like us who we eat a, a, a omnivore diet, you know, we eat a lot of red meat. What actually causes aging and the phenotypical signs of aging, muscle soreness, degeneration of the peripheral nervous system, um, uh, skin changes in skin quality and texture, you know, those all are from metabolic debris and what i mean by metabolic debris iron is one of the worst it's like every cell has a shard of iron in it it's rusting it's causing uh it it, it causes rapid oxidation we talk about antioxidants being good well nothing oxidizes the body more than iron nothing damages mitochondrial function more than iron and so i said to myself how could something you know this is the critical thinking how could something so important to us sunlight cause this malady and in actuality sunlight actually causes the the breakdown and release of iron over time over time but it raises ferritin it doesn't raise iron so doctors need to not only test test for ferritin levels but they must do a test called tibc which is direct iron it actually measures the iron in plasma not the carrier that carries okay. iron. And uh, when they do that, they go, oh, man, your ferritin's high, but your iron is fine. I don't understand that. I've never right. seen that before. Well, you've never looked yeah. at both of them at the same time before. <laughs> Wait, a lot of this comes down to the fact that doctors deal with the everyday average person, and a lot of that blood work is 90 95% the same. They don't deal with, you know, melanotan, or they don't deal with people who are using yeah. – you know, super physiological levels of, you know, hormones right. and things like that. So, right. you know, on the one, and because I, I completely agree with you. On the other hand, I think that's why I'm not as hard on doctors as most people in the industry are because they don't have the experience okay. with our demographic and they shouldn't be expected to. Now, at the same time, the doctors should be understanding uh, enough to not sit there and lecture on something that they don't know about. They should be more willing to admit that they don't know about it. 
um, than to act. You know, doctors are funny like that. Uh, I always laugh and say, I could, I could go into a doctor. I know whether a doctor is an asshole and thinks he knows everything, because if I go into a doctor that I don't know, all I have to do is ask him, hey, if you had to, could you change an oil filter in an airplane? And if they say yes, <laughs> then I know that's a fucking red, red flag because they a lot of times they just act like they know they everything about anything. everything. Yeah. It's almost an ego thing. Yeah. And that's, that's very off-putting to me because I don't want to sit and listen to a doctor who doesn't have experience on that. I've, I've had them say flat out, well, you know, when you got when I got shingles, well, it's because you're taking steroids. I'm like, well, I guess we're done here. He's like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, you don't know shit about me. You don't have a file on me. You don't have anything. All you did was walk in. You might as well have said at I was me. black. You looked at me. You might right. as well have said I was gay. You just said I'm on steroids. So you and I are done here. Right. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. My apologies or anything else. And then we... And, and the truth of the matter is, so shingles, uh, shing, the shingles virus, there are people who have the shingles virus and never have a single outbreak in their entire life. Right. The, the virus will stay dormant and it lives in the ganglion of the nerves. And so you have to reach a level of, of, of stress in your life where right. that is, fires it and, and makes it come yeah. forward. There's people out there who have it's, it's called herpes zoster. It's it's a form of herpes virus. There's people who have herpes zoster their entire lives. They die with it. No one ever knew it because they never had a single outbreak. Yeah, their immune system was good. <laughs> Mine went in the shitter. I was in between shows, and that's what it was. I thought, oh, it's just aches and pains because I just competed, you know, two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, my wife says, oh, you got a couple sores here, and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I remember being in the gym that day and I hurt so bad that I actually thought to myself, this is, I bet this is what cancer feels like because this just feels really bad. Right. And then I went into the doctor and they said, you know, it was, it's funny because in, in a typical bodybuilding mentality, she says, well, you know, this is, you know, a worse, the worst case of shingles I've seen in a while. I'm like, well, what's that? You know, I thought it was something only old people get. Right. She goes, well, you've got it. I'm like, well, I, I can't because I've got a bodybuilding show in a week. And she looked at me and laughed. She goes, and you don't. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't? She goes, if you do that and you don't start this medication right away, you're going to wish you were dying. Yeah. I was like, no shit. So there's a, so there's <laughs> a, peptide, like, there's a peptide called thymosin alpha-1, and it's an antiviral peptide. And if you have any type of virus working on you, you take one and a half milligrams uh, every third day. Usually you just need two shots. I've had people write me uh, that I've talked about it. They, As soon as the outbreak of, of shingles started, they literally kept it in their freezer just in case, and they took a shot, and they said they didn't get the normal outbreak. It was literally gone. The pain was gone, and it was literally gone in like a couple of days. It was completely back to normal. So everybody wow. who has uh, shingles should search for the peptide thymosin alpha-1. You can definitely have your doctor prescribe it for you. They can order it through TaylorMade Health in, uh, in here in Kentucky. They are the only FDA-approved uh, compounding pharmacy that can fill prescriptions for peptides, everything. CJC-1295, they, ha they have it. You can get it through your doctor now. You don't have to go black market. But thymosin alpha-1, if you have parvovirus and you get outbreaks from time to time uh, they have a human version of that if you have shingles keep thymosin alpha one in your freezer take one shot as soon as you know that you're getting it and watch you won't even have the full outbreak you just won't it won't happen nice yeah it's cool stuff 
So <laughs> what have we have we missed anything uh, on this discussion today that you want to get out there to the public? Plug your website, please, first of all. Well, teamskip.com, but I also write, I'm a columnist and a coach for Elite FTS, so I have a lot of articles there that I fancy myself, you know, witty, humorous, sometimes handsome, Um, and I have coach logs. I mean, I detail pretty much everything that I'm I'm doing, and and they've been there since I started TRT in 2013, because I started writing for them in 2013, so... Um, if you are interested in TRT, you can always go back and see exactly what I was doing, diet, training, everything, um, right through today, basically, and what I'm doing now and see the changes and, and all the details. So, um, you know, that's about it. I Obviously, you could listen to the Blood, Sweat, and Gear podcast on Advices Radio. Um, you know, we got together at the Arnold, had a good time. I'm sorry it took so long for me to have you on the show. When I left there, I thought, why haven't I had Skip Hill on the show? I mean, <laughs> I've read his stuff on uh, on Dave Tate's website. I used his protein powder for years. Like, I didn't even know who Skip was. I was like, Team Skip, this stuff is really intelligently laid out protein powder. And then I, and then, and I texted Scott McNally the other day. He says, can you connect me with, with Skip Hill? He's like, yeah, sure. And, and next thing I know, we were texting. It was It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm I'm certainly flattered. I appreciate you having me on. And like I said, it was nice it was nice meeting you. I'm gonna be there again next year. It's the first time I've gone. Uh first actually I've never been to the O, and that's the first time I've been to the Arnold. I've been in the sport for thirty five years. It's good. It's good to see people up there. But the madness, it's just I get sensory overload. I'm one of those people that when I'm in a crowd like that, I actually become like I all my energy gets drained from me. Yeah. Yeah, I get very anxious. Yeah. There were times I went back to the hotel room and just sat there and had room service, and I'm like, ah. Yeah. But that's what old people do. Yeah. I say I'd call my wife, and she'd laugh. She goes, "I know you'd rather be here where it's peace and quiet." I'm like, "No, I'm having a, I'm having a good time, but I could only take it in in small doses." I'm the same. <laughs> so I'm 60 now. I'll be 61 this year, Damn. and and so uh, I I can tell you that um, I still listen to Lincoln Park when I train. So there is, there, so there is like a sixteen-year-old stuck in here. I still feel sure. like that kid, but my body oh, yeah. doesn't want to cooperate anymore for some reason. It's like you know, it's funny you say that because I feel the same way. If I don't look at myself in the mirror, I'm in the gym training. I do. I feel like a million bucks. Right. And uh, then you just you know you're reminded birthdays are the worst because they do they remind me of my age. I just turned forty nine on Saturday, and you know I feel great. Don't get me wrong, and life's Happy going birthday. well. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm like, oh my god, I'm forty nine. Like, oh my god, for real. So yeah, it's kind of tough. I I wonder I what would happen. I wonder what would happen if you raised a child devoid of birthdays, and they never knew how old they were, and they didn't know how old you and mom were, and like I wonder if like. If you didn't give somebody that information, would they live longer? You know, you may well be right, but you'd probably be charged with some form of neglect. The oh, government yeah. would have to step in and, you know, <laughs> consequence you for for not staying inside the box. I don't know. Very, It's very possible because we just tend to – there's such a mental component. I even said, I'm like, gosh, I'm doing well. I feel great. I'm in good shape. And then I thought, God, it's still kicking my ass when I, when I have my birthday – how do people who are not in shape, oh. who don't take care of themselves or aren't successful or don't feel very good about themselves, how do they deal with this shit? They don't even know. They I don't, don't know. I've come to the conclusion that they don't know because, like, if I go out and drink alcohol, like I get drunk one night, I feel like crap for like two or three days. <laughs> and I'll say to Elisa, you realize, like, we have friends that that's what they do all the time. They're always drinking and partying. 
they have become accustomed to living life at a four. And those of us who know what it feels like to live at a 10, we're like, oh man, I don't want to feel that way. But they don't, they don't have a perspective of what it feels like to live at a 10. So they're like, oh, this is cool. I'm okay. Yep, this is normal, exactly. Is I always normal. tell people, too, if you don't know what good food is, diet for a little while. Yeah. Because then, even if you go to Burger King, that shit's going to taste really, really good. I know. Oh, plain oatmeal. <laughs> I love plain oatmeal with a little salt and a little cinnamon in it and nothing else. But because your palate changes when you once you start yeah. to eat clean. Listen, Skip, it's been great having you on the show, and I promise we'll have you back on. And stay awesome. in touch with me, okay, so we can have you back on and Absolutely. talk about some fun stuff. All right, take it easy. I'm-